church is not about buildings. It's about people. That is what you, that's what church is about. Church is about bringing people together. And we are the people of God. You know that the point of being in church is not to come to church. You aren't called, we aren't called to just be church goers. We're called to be world changers. Jesus said, and he called us in Matthew 28, to make disciples of the whole earth. Right? And, and you know what? You have a role to play. You don't have to play somebody else's role. You don't have to play my role. I don't have to play your role. There's many roles, and God, God has called you to a specific role. And so um, we just, we're just excited to play our role in this end time. We've got such good news to share. And, and so, but you know where that starts is, is enjoying it yourself. You, you cannot share what you don't have. You know, so, so if you're in a place where you're, you're just, we just want to encourage you, if you're online or you're new to Lake Haven, sit back, enjoy, relax, soak up the goodness of God. Soak up the love of God. Get to know God because he, he, you are the most important thing to Him. And we want you to feel valued and welcome here. This is not just about um, expanding a, a, king, a sort of a man's thing. This is not about anyone. This is about a, a, the gospel and taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Amen. And you'll hear more about those other crusades and things that we'll plan in June. Um, soon, you, I know you'll, if you watch the slides, the, the crusade, the, you, those are great placeholders. Make sure you come with us to that. Like, oh, I'm, I'm so excited about that crusade. That's going to be blast. Anyhow, what I wanted to do today was I, I wanted to conclude this uh, series, if I can, on perspectives that I've been talking about uh, in between our, our many guest speakers. Didn't you enjoy Wendell last week? Yeah. Wasn't it awesome? You know, uh, Wendell is, is such a seasoned minister, and, and Wendell ha had a word in season for us, and it, it, was, it's it was really powerful. Uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to that, download the, the MP3 or the podcast, or watch it on YouTube, whatever, um, but it, because it was a word in season about, about being of good courage, taking heart when you have go through trials and tribulations. And, and you know what? That is a word. God is preparing us. There are trials and tribulations, and, and like he said in John 16, 33, he says, in this world you will have trouble, tribulation, but be of good cheer, take heart, because I have overcome the world. And, uh, you know, that's powerful. We, he, he has overcome the world. We are world overcomers, and so we can take heart. And, and, and I mean, I'm not going to repeat his sermon, but I think it's, it's, it's really important to, to lay hold of some of those things. Because you know that if you're ready for when trial or tribulations, if you're mentally prepared, you've already won the game. Right. When you're mentally and emotionally prepared and you know like, hey, this stuff is cut, coming my way. It's kind of like batten, battening down the hatches on a ship, right? If you're in a storm and you know you're going to go through a storm, you're going to get through the storm if you're prepared. If you're ready, batten down the hatches. Be ready for some of the storms. And sorry to say, guys, I know that we don't always want to hear that. We don't want to hear those storms. We want to hear just people say, hey, listen, guys, it's going to be sunshine and roses and unicorns and, and you know, sparkles and, you know, all that stuff. It's great. We don't, we don't want to hear that there's tribulation coming. But guess what? Buckle up, buttercup. Trouble is coming. And, and when trouble is coming your way, you are better prepared. Do you want to be prepared? Or do you want to go through a storm unprepared? And then say, oh, why is God doing this to me? Remember, the fight is for your faith. The fight is to try and cause you to doubt in the love and goodness of God. 
And so when you go through the storm and you're prepared, you're prepared. And you're like, hey, guess what? I know who, this, who the source of this thing is coming. And you're ready for it. And you're going to be able to be triumphant through the storms of life. I mean, you see that in Jesus' life. You see that in the apostles' life, the disciples. You see all of them, they went through trials and tribulations. And guess what? He said we would too. And I know that's, like I said, we don't like to say that. But in any case, what I wanted to do with this message is I, I've been telling you I'm, I want to start another series. I'm hoping to start it next week. But, but we, I want to get through a few things today. I don't want it to be a, a, a long message. I want you to go and get ready for your Super Bowl if that's what you like doing and, and, and stuff. But, but how many of you have heard of the 80-20 principle, the Pareto principle? You know the Pareto principle. 20% of what your actions do actually give you 80% of the effects or the results. Normally, if you can isolate the 20% that's really effective, that helps you be more effective rather than, so that's one-fifth, if you think about it, one-fifth of the things that you can be busy with actually re, re, yield the most results. And, and that, that principle is, exists in a lot of things. They found that the world has just discovered that per chance, but there are critical factors. There are important underlying things, and there are certainly big, there are things. The Bible is full of awesome truth awesome truth. Genesis to Revelation, there is awesome truth. But you know that you can get lost in the weeds if you major on the minors. If you major on the minors, you can make a big deal of some things that God didn't make a big deal on. A wise man of God said, minor on the minors and major on the majors. See what Jesus made a big deal and make a big deal of those things. And, don't, and you'll be prepared. Those little things will kind of fall into place often. And so it's a good thing. So part of this perspective series is doing exactly that, is, is we've, got to, we've got to step into perspectives. And last, last time I, and I was talking a bit about prophecy because talking about you know, how we don't, quench, uh, we, we don't quench the work of the Spirit and we're not supposed to despise prophecies, it tells us in Thessalonians. And, 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 uh, but uh, but we, we, as a body of Christ, sometimes of those of us who consider ourselves that we believe in the move of the Spirit and, and, and you know, we, want to, we want to chase these prophecies and we want to get all weird sometimes. Um, and and the, world, the world doesn't need weird. The world is looking for authentic and genuine. But guess what? We are a supernatural people. Genuinely. We are a supernatural people with supernatural authority. And, and we have to know how to operate in this kingdom where we can exercise supernatural authority. And guess what? Most people... I've been on the crusade field too. I've seen many, many, many miracles. That's why I want you to go on a crusade too and see miracles for yourself. But, but if you just chase the miracles, you chase, like Kenneth Hagin used to say, many people miss the supernatural chasing the spectacular. Wow. It's important, really, you do. If you chase the spectacular, you can miss the, because the supernatural can happen quietly here, right in front of you. Right under your nose, and you won't be looking, you won't see it, because you were waiting for the trumpets and the drum roll and the oohs and the ahs, and you see that. I mean, honestly, that's what the body of Christ, the body of Christ is just like the church of today here in the West. We're like the, the Corinthian church. You talk about demons, and you talk about miracles, and you will pack a place out. Ooh, let's go and see, you know. I guess you, but, but, but. 
But when it, it's, it's kind of sad that, that we, we, forget, we, we forget the things of God. We actually don't, we're not there to see Jesus. We're there to see the miracles. We want to see the, the spectacular. And like I said, those things are real. They are real. But we don't chase the spectacular. There's a big difference. But like I said, the world is desperate, is hungry, hungry for authentic, hungry for sincere. And I believe this is where we as Lake Haven are getting ourselves ready for. If you want to flow in the supernatural, you are, and let me tell you, every one of us are called to flow in the supernatural. But I was saying uh, again about prophecy and things like that. I was like, we want to chase words and we want to get given a word and we'll have a visiting. In fact, we've got a, a prophetic guy coming in that you've not heard from before. I'm trying to remember. I think he's in August. You're going to hear somebody and, and he operates prophetically. But I want, I want, I want you to, you know, we, we chase those things because we want to get a word from God. And let me tell you, that is super dangerous unless you've already first established that I, got, I have to get established in God's word first. If you're looking for a personal word from out there, watch out. Not that they don't come, but you shouldn't need them. God's word, God's word, he has given us, the, he's given us his written word. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He's unchanging. He's immutable. You, you aren't going to, he's not going, he's not ever going to say anything external from the word of God. And then we, we want to call, we've got these super spiritual things like, well, I, I, it's a revelation from God. Like any revelation is going to be extra biblical. It's not. There is no revelation that is going to come that's going to be outside the full revelation of God. And our God is the only God, as I went through some of those scriptures last time, where is the only God that can speak the end from the beginning. He in His Word has said things long ago that are, have been precisely fulfilled. There's nobody else that can do that. Nobody else. His Word is immaculate. His Word is powerful but we just simply have to walk a road of discipleship to understand it yes because i'm telling you i was one of those confused christians and i went to bible school not because i thought i was going to go in the ministry i was confused i was like i am so confused i i listened to this guy saying this out of leviticus and out of numbers and out of Isaiah and out of Matthew and Revelation and James and back into Malachi and I, I was back when I got so confused I, I couldn't understand just like I hear the world say well I just don't understand how God's killing people here and why he's living and then he says he says he's supposed to be loving and why I didn't understand you know why because we weren't discipled we didn't understand that it was up to me to go and get grounded in the word of God if we don't get grounded in the Word of God, if we don't put a value on God's Word, and we just say, oh, well, you know what, Genesis to Malachi, that's just the Old Testament. And so forget about that. Just start in Matthew and through Revelation, and then you're okay. The problem is that that's nowhere do we see that. Scripture is Scripture. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> He is the same. The Bible tells us in James that there is no shadow of turning with him. He is the same always. But, but what has changed is the covenant. That's why it's called 
the new covenant. That, that is the part that has changed. There were old covenants, and there was a particularly an old covenant that the new t- covenant teaches about, particularly the book of Galatians. It, and, and Hebrews goes into very great detail about the changes of the old covenant and the new covenant. And you see, because you know, we think, oh, well, you know, that's only for preachers. You only have to understand that because it's like, no, you need to understand how to learn. And then so we've established ways that, you can, that we can feed you and, and help you on your journey in discipleship, right? Because as soon as you get grounded in this, is, this, is, this it makes perfect sense when you understand how the covenants work. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. Now, I mentioned a key factor here. One of those critical factors is that God doesn't change. You, God didn't have like a frontal lobotomy somewhere in Malachi. He didn't change and say, oh, you know what? I'm going to stop killing people and pretend that I'm nice. I'm going to send the nice part of the Godhead down to earth. His name's going to be Jesus, and, and he's going to be all sweet and stuff. No, he has never changed. Jesus said specifically that he is, he is exactly who his father said this. And now, now, I'm mentioning these things because... I'll touch on some of those scriptures if we need to go there, or I feel like we need to go there. But you've heard me say some of these things. The, the, the reason why I'm getting ready in this, uh, is saying these things out loud, is, is that we've got to learn how to filter and to read the Word of God from the right perspective. The Word of God is important, but we need to know how to read it. Because otherwise, when, when you read the Word of God and you're like, oh, uh, what? And you are confused when you read it. You're not able to extract from it, and you know you're kind of just like a hit and miss, like well, yeah, whatever. I, you know, it's not really benefiting you. And and here, when I'm going to go and teach on, when I'm when I start teaching about the devil, who's not important. Let me just put this in perspective. I've been saying in this series. That, that there are three paradigms, there are three truths, there are three, three things that, that are critical factors that I believe that we should understand. They, they all affect one another, and we should have a good grounding of who God is. What is the character and nature of God, right? Number one, that is who, what is personality, who He is. That is very, it's essential to know the character of God, and we're going to talk a little bit about, about Him here uh, today. Secondly, you've got to know your identity as a born-again believer, and lastly, you should know the enemy. You've got to know him in the sense that, now, I'm not saying all three of these are 33%. You know, we think in these ratios automatically. Sometimes our brains work that way. Like, well, you said 33% of us. No, I have spent seven and a half years talking about the character, nature of God, and the identity, who we are in Christ. But I, I loathe to talk about the devil. Because he is not important. He really isn't. But you see, we have got so much stuff that we've adopted by tradition and religion that we've seen him in that we need to address. Because if you don't understand your rightful place and his rightful place, then you've, you've, you've got a paradigm, a perspective that's incorrect. And so we're going to spend a bit of time on the devil. And like I said, I need you to understand before we even open that side of stuff, who we are and what the foundation, how we filter scripture. 
right? You're with me. Amen. You've got to be able to understand when we filter. We're not departing from the foundation so that we can go to this. In fact, if you wouldn't mind, turn with me um, to uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. If you have your Bibles, it says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. And then he goes on to mention some other foundations in Hebrews 6. Now, if you've done D group or you're doing the Grow series with T and Stacy, you'll, you'll understand we go through some of these things. These foundations are critical. They are the factors. Those We, we talk about the heart. We talk about grace. We talk about the love of God. We, we, talk, about all the, we, we talk about big deal things that, that really sway the pendulum in your life. And, and we only really do a, a, a small insertion into them because we, if anybody wants to know Lake Haven and what we believe, we say, listen, go through D Group, check it out. You will see the perspective that we're coming from just in sort of a, a few nights together of eating food and fellowship and getting to know one another. That's the paradigm that we come from is from those foundations. But he says this, he says that in that scripture, if you wouldn't mind bringing it up for me again, he says, he says not laying again a foundation. And he says, let us leave the elementary doctrines. He says, guys, he's, he's saying this, he, let's move along from these foundations. But he also says, not forgetting the foundations, not laying again. We can't just keep laying the foundations again and again and again and again and again. Because what we, we, but they are essential for us to build a foundation on. And as we go on, we're not forgetting them. We can't, we can't build on by, by eradicating the foundation. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when we talk about the devil, you've got to be able to um, look back and say, okay, this is the perspective we're looking at him from. This is, I know who I am in Christ. I know what my position is in Christ. I know, I, I know, and, and, and I will. We, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be walking through these. I'm not going to, I hope it's not a super long thing, but I want to touch on some things that I've heard in the body of Christ that you probably have heard and come across or stubbed your toe on or uh, you've addressed or, or things like spiritual warfare and stuff like that. We, we, we want to go into a little bit of that stuff. We're not going to, like I said, unpack all the demons of heaven, you know. Trying to, trying to get, you know, exactly who's who in the enemy's camp and, you know, all these kind of... I, I've, people can go really, really crazy about these things. But like I said, unfortunately, when I've spoken about the devil, because he is really a defeated foe, um, we, we, you can offend people. And so I'm not wanting you to be offended. Really. And that's why I want to say, listen, walk with me, understand what perspective we're coming from. Amen? Okay, cool. So, um, so here, verses... Okay, I mentioned the scripture about God is being unchanging. That's one of the critical foundations, critical factors. So in, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, uh, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, it says, yeah, now I'm just going to read this in the message. For Jesus doesn't change yesterday, today, tomorrow. He's always totally himself. I love the way the message puts that. He's always totally himself. In Hebrews chapter 1, um, it says this in verse uh, 10, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. 
They will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You'll roll them up like a garment. They will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Man, that's amazing. In the perspective, if you just think about planets and suns and everything else, those are all, this whole system is ultimately going to get rolled up like a map. But guess what? God hasn't changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, Malachi 3 says this in verse 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Um, James 1, verse 17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Praise God. So, um, so I, I, then I spoke about, okay, so God is the same. He's unchangeable. His character is the same. And we're going we're gonna to unpack that a little bit. And then the new covenant versus the old covenant. We have got to see two things in the new, the new covenant that we have got to get grows, uh, founded on. One is uh, the person of Jesus. We, we have got to understand that Jesus is the revelation of God. The perfect revelation of God. You've heard me teach on this, and I'm flashing through this. Hebrews 1, verse, uh, uh, I'm going to, chapter 1, and I'm going to read uh, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I want you to see that. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. In fact, if you go to verse 2, uh, well, let me start in verse 1. Sorry, I've got to read this. I was trying to save a bit of time. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. I just think that's so powerful. To think that Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. It says that God has spoken to us through prophets in the past. If you think back, and he's talking in context here. If you go and read Jeremiah and Ezekiel and even Isaiah and, and all of these great major and minor prophets. And you go and see everything, that the types of the shadows that were forecast of the, the, the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. And all those Old Testament types and shadows. And you see, he says, he says all of those things were images, were shadows of him. He says, but in these lives days a physical person man who walked on the earth who walked and breathed oxygen and exhaled carbon dioxide who washed his body who had to learn to speak and some of the graphic things that we could imagine that Jesus did if you want to be imaginative but but he was a real person he was the exact representation of God. That is powerful because that makes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John profoundly important as books because those books are four different authors' perspectives on the life of Jesus. They saw Jesus in their own personalities, in their own filters. That was their experience of each event. That's why there's variations. Well, I thought the Word of God is... An, you see, if you... The way you interpret, I don't even know, Jesus help me. If, if the way you interpret, if the way you interpret, if you've got a legalistic way of reading the Bible, like many people do, they will see a slight variation and say, oh, the Bible's false. Because they don't understand that the Logos has been unchanging from beginning to end. 
It's not got to do with some English interpretation of a scriptural of the logos. God is God is God. He is He is never changed. He is a revelation. We're still going to be expounding on and, and understanding of Him. So when you see four authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, see their life, their, their stories, their paradigms, their perspectives. That's what you're seeing. <coughs> Excuse me. I heard somebody say this. T's been in law enforcement for many years. Jim's been in law enforcement for many years. And I don't know how, how many else of you have been in interrogations and things like that. But if you took four different people and took and interviewed each one of them, and they said exactly the same thing word for word, what would you think? You would be very suspicious. Because you know they've been collaborating and they're talking. You wouldn't. But you see, when, when you get four different perspectives and if you see an incident or a crash or a whatever, you're going to have different per people's perspective. That's a natural thing. Why? Because each one of us filter every experience through our own viewpoints, not only our perspectives, our belief systems, our things like this thing, uh, th that thing. I mean, there's fascinating studies on YouTube about how, how eyewitnesses how inaccurate they can be. I don't know if you've seen that. They've done studies, and, and I've, I've watched some of them. It's fascinating. They've actually, they've actually, they actually set up a, a, a person to get robbed, and they, they make it look real, and then they interview all the people and about who the person is, what they looked like, what they were wearing, their hair color, all the eyewitnesses that watched it happen. It's fascinating. You should go and look it up. How wrong they are. And then when they get a video afterwards, they're like, oh, I, I, I really did think that this... These are eyewitnesses. So if you think eyewitness testimony is always solid and secure, or you tell your wife, I know because I saw it. Or she tells you, you should be a little bit more cautious. Maybe, maybe my perspective and paradigm was a little bit off. How many times have you lost your keys? I know I left my keys. Yes, who took my keys? And then you find your keys somewhere and it's like, Oh, yes. <laughs> and you kind of sheepishly don't, you know. Right. That's just human nature, guys. That's just human nature. Understanding that our fallibility, listen, you don't have to have it all together. But you know, ego, ego is a powerful thing. You know, especially, you know why ego is a powerful thing? Your mind seeks to protect your ego. And your mind and your ego, man, you've got to understand this. Your your. You, you have derived value. You're, most of us are deriving value. That is really what our ego is. You, you, you getting work, you getting your value from, from certain things in your life. You, your stature, your money, your, your skill set. Uh, because you're so talented in something or something else. You've, you're deriving value from that. And that's where you think, well, you see, or you are, are struggling with self-esteem because you don't believe you have value. Because somebody has broken down that value and said, you're worthless. You will never amount to anything. Maybe it was a horrible, a sorry, just a parent trying their best um, or whatever it was. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you had a parent or a teacher that said, you stupid thing. Right? Right? Real world stuff. But the problem is that your ego, if you've, you've derived your value or your perceived value from people. 
people's perspectives, paradigm. The world tells you, man, you just need to be rich and famous because that will happen. You've got to have the adulation of the masses. Or if I just have enough power and I can become president of the world, then I will be able to tell, and then everybody's going to just love me. And I can launch nuclear missiles wherever I want to. You know, whatever, you know, people are on these kicks all the time because they feel like that's their value. They're struggling to get value. But the wonderful thing is that if you get your, if you come into, a, a, into an intimate relationship with Jesus and you start walking a, a pathway of discipleship and you, and, you, <laughs> and you have this wonderful thing that he has given you value and dignity and worth. And that he, the God of creation who made all of this, says you have value. I determine that you have value. And as soon as you start getting your value from that, then, then suddenly all the issues that interrupt your ego or, 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 or your, your, you struggle with your ego, they sort of start melting away. Because suddenly you don't have to be that know-it-all person. Or suddenly you don't have to prove to everybody by buying the fanciest car that you've got enough money. Or X amount of beach houses that you've got to... Struggle with. You've got to try and brag about. Right? Because you know, I hey, I've got value. If nobody in the whole world knows, it's okay. I know my value. Because God, the creator of the ends of the earth, has given me my value. And I've got that established in my heart. Suddenly, I'm not chasing the carrots of the world. I'm not fearing the sticks of the world. But you see, when our, when our ego is based, especially in pastors and ministers, that's part of our thing because we, we study the Word of God, we, we claim we've got it all together, we think we do or whatever the case is, and then somebody comes by and then addresses something and you think, oh, it's going to attach. Then you, you will, listen, you, would, you will fight something, and we all do this, you will fight something desperately even if you're wrong. And you, you will fight it. You know why? Because you're trying to protect yourself, your value. Rather than what Jesus said, hey, listen, guys, let me tell you something. John chapter 8, 31, 32, he said to his disciples, to those followers of his, right? He said, if you remain in my word, abide is the word. If you live in, dwell in, soak in. Your word isn't that's not a go to church on a Sunday kind of a thing. This is if you remain in my word, you abide in my word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Right? You see, truth can bring freedom, but we have to be prepared to repent. And we don't like the word repent, especially in grace churches. We think, oh, I don't have to repent and whatever. It's like, of course we have to repent. You have to be able to, literally, the word repent literally means change your mind. You have to be willing to constantly change your mind. Because you don't know everything. Be okay with that. I don't know everything. I'm going to change. It's okay. It doesn't matter how long you've done it. It doesn't matter how many nights you've yelled at the devil all night long. Are you willing to live in truth? Do you, let me ask you another one. Do you want to experience freedom? True liberty. That is a question only you can answer for yourself. 
Because when we start dealing with truth, Jim has always said, Dr. Jim Richards often said things like that, but he says the truth that is most able to bring you freedom is often the truth that will most offend you. That is not a nice thing to hear. Especially, well, I mean, it's a nice concept. You could say, yeah, yeah, whatever. Until somebody jumps, you think jumps on your toes. And then, you, then you're like, I don't like that. It's like, I, mean, I was like, oh, I, thought, I thought this was supposed to be a, a, a God's love church. You guys love, you love me. You know? Well, we do. We do love you. And that's why we want you to be free. Because you see, true love isn't niceness. True love isn't trying to tickle your ears and saying everything's okay no matter what you do. No. True love will say, listen, you want to screw up your life royally? Just keep doing it the wrong way. True love says, I love you so much, I'm going to gently correct you and lead you in the right way. Just follow my way. That's what true love will do. God's love will put that. He will, he will guide us. He will shepherd us. He will correct us. He will... Like I said, David and I were talking about this earlier. He's not going to break your leg. He doesn't break your leg. How do we know that? Do you see Jesus breaking legs? He is the exact representation of the Father. His names, his unchangeable names. Jehovah Rapha means the God who heals. Some of you know. Rapha, doctor, the God who heals you. Guess what? That's an immutable name of God. That means he doesn't have anything else but healing in him. He is shalom. He is peace. He isn't fear. I'm here to intimidate you. Whatever. He, all of those. You can go through the names of God. You want to see the unchanging, immutable, changing names of God. You go to his names. You go and look at the life of Jesus. You see, when you look at the life of Jesus, then you see God. Through those perspectives, right? God, show me you. I want to see you, Jesus. How did you deal with this? Praise God. So then, so we see that God really, God, God's way, and, and we talk about the love of God so much here, but, but knowing that God is good and is always good is, is something you've got to, we've got to grasp. In fact, I, I wrote some scriptures down. Knowing God is good here, um, uh, Psalm 34 verse 8 says this, Taste and see that the Lord is Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. It says in the ESV, in the NLT, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. You see, God is nothing but good. Uh, in fact, the story in Moses, I'll tell you, just flash through it. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses, I mean, you could read the whole chapter. It's fun. I love listening listen to the conversations that God has with Job and with Moses. They're awesome. I just, I just love reading them. They're they fun, and God can be super sarcastic, and He's yes. funny. He can be super, it's like, it's just, I just get a kick out of His personality. It's awesome. And, and, but, he, but He says, like, you know, God's like, oh, I'm going to tire of these people. I'm just going to kick him to the curb, and we're going to just start over. And, and Moses is like, whoa, hold on there, fella. You know, and he's like, chill down. And, and, and he goes, and he tries and talk God. He's like, talks God down. <laughs> Any case. But it says that, um, and then he says this, uh, I mean, I don't want, I'm trying to save time. I'm sorry, I'm just fast-forwarding this. So, so the Lord said to Moses, he, so, he, so Moses, so he says, the very thing, in, sorry, verse 17, the Lord says to Moses, the very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. This is the Lord talking to Moses. 
And Moses said, please show me your glory. You know, I, I love that. And, and we've spoken about glory many times, but, but I love this definition because this is a great illustration of what Moses asks. He says, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And, and the Lord says this. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And then when he reveals himself he, and he proclaims himself in a, a few verses later, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God of mercy and grace, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And he keeps love for thousands, forgiving iniquity. And said, God is a good, good God. In Romans chapter 2 verse 4, it says the goodness and kindness of God leads us to repentance. It's the what? It, it's, it's understanding the goodness of God that causes us to bring, to make a change of mind. When we find out how good God is, not how mean God is, but there's a ton of churches out there, sorry to say, that talk about like, I've got to scare you into submission so you can do right. Fear will only make you act right. It doesn't make you change in the inside. Fear will only make you, like they say, behave, you change your behavior, behavior modification. It's when you know that God is good that you can actually find, you can repent and tr change your mind about who this God is that we serve. And so, but, but this, this goodness, this good God, uh, and then in Habakkuk 2 verse 10, I love this because this is the vision of God. This is his desire. He says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? His goodness. The world will know that he is a good God. You see, Satan and his devices and his intentions are you to mistrust him, like, like you've heard Jim say, and I know we heard it yesterday at the men's breakfast as well, but that is a Luciferian doctrine. He will always get you to doubt his word and doubt his character, that he is not good. Any voice that says that God is really not good is, is going to have a Luciferian root. Because he is trying to steal your faith from you. He's trying to get you to think that God is mean, angry, and is not ultimately good. So we can talk about the goodness of God, I mean, till, and we will in eternity. Because there's just so much to the goodness of God. But another factor that we talk about often is the love of God. We, we talk about it. And, and to know, I read this, I think, the last time, but in, in the love of God... Um, Oh, gosh, I'm seeing other scriptures I wrote here. They're so awesome. Just about the goodness of God. Oh, can I read one more? Sorry. It's just that Paul, Paul, who was an enemy of God, who, who murdered Christians. Right? He was an enemy of God. He, he, he was killing. And remember, and Jesus knocks him over his horse and he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? When you touch Jesus' church, you touch Jesus. And he says, why do you persecute me? And guess what he did? He loved his enemies. Right. He didn't destroy Paul. He loved him. Paul had an encounter with the goodness of God. It led him to repentance. He changed his mind about God. And we see this so clearly in, 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 in Titus 3. Um, for we ourselves, he says in verse 3, we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Sure. But... 
When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. Can I say that again? He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His mercy. By washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out us on richly through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that we being justified by grace, or His grace, we may become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. <coughs> There's so much there. The goodness of God. Man. But the love of God in Ephesians 3 says that in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in the love, in love may have strength to comprehend with the saints the breadth, length, height, and depth. And to know, to know, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. That isn't know, that's know. You, you are loved no matter what your background is what your failures are. You are loved if you've hated God. You are loved if you've murdered Christians. We don't understand that level of love. We, we don't. We don't. But He loves us. And, and you know, we, as, we, as we end this, this series... We, we, I want you, I hope you are inspired by the Spirit of God to, to intimacy with Him because He is good. He does love us, but we have a job to do. We have a task to do. And the task is going to be motivated. We're going to be constrained or compelled by love. It's going to be our motivation. We're going to want to participate in this end time harvest. We're going to want to for all the right reasons, not because we're trying to earn something from him that he's given us by grace and by through his love and by his favor that he's freely offered to us to be received only by faith. So the perspective that we have is, is so important because our perspective of the person of God, his character is going to form everything that we are and, and like I said we've touched on identity on who you are and, and in this next series when we talk about the devil please be grounded understand these are the perspectives that we come from amen you, we have a defeated foe we have a defeated foe and you and I are seated with him in heavenly places we're seated with him not the foe <laughs> just to be clear yeah, we're seated with him in heavenly places and so there's a rightful place there's a, a place of freedom if you've ever feared anything about the devil or you've had incidents with the devil I've got a lot of stories myself I, I mean but listen there is no you do not have to live your life in any sense of fear anymore amen let's pray together Father we're so grateful for this greatest salvation your, your majesty, your love, your goodness, your faithfulness, your kindness. Father, we, what a good message to take to the world. What a good message to share with the world of your faithfulness in the morning and in the night, of your love for every man, every person. You're not willing that any should perish, but that every single person should come to that repentance, to that change of mind. 
to know that you are good. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that has not tasted your goodness. Father, I pray that they have a big taste of you. A big taste of your goodness and your mercy. See how good you are. Experience your love. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That you settled in every heart, never to leave or forsake us. That these things keep us steadfast and secure through storms because we know that you're not the author of the storm or the trouble or the trial or the tribulation. Father, we look forward to that day that we'll be with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you said these things I have told you that you may have peace and that your joy may be full. Father, I just thank you for peace and joy on this journey as we intimately embrace you. If you heard this or if you do not know Jesus, it's just as simple as opening your heart right now to him and saying, Jesus, I don't know you that way. Father, I don't know you that way, but I want to. It's where it starts, just there, just saying, I want to. And I'm telling you, your father rushes towards you like that prodigal son. He sweeps you off his feet and he says, welcome home. He gives you a ring. He puts sandals on your feet. He clothes you with a robe. He throws a party for you. And Jesus said, this is how heaven celebrates when one repents and changes their mind about him. Thank you, Lord, for the parties thrown in heaven right now. And the parties that we'll be participating in, in the joy that is yet to come. But Father, thank you that we can taste that right now. Joy and peace. I release healing. If you've got pain in your body right now, if you have got a struggle, if you're struggling with pain right now, I just see a pain in somebody's left side. I just speak release to that pain in Jesus' name. Go. It doesn't matter where that pain is. Just release that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you confirm your word. sort of see a darkness over somebody's mind, a concern, cloudiness. I just speak liberty to that. Freedom from worry, anxiety, concern, whatever is holding. I just speak that liberty to you in Jesus' name.
Is that somebody that that's that word on somebody's side? Is, can anybody is anybody identify with that? That re felt released from that side? Unity. Is that a pain that you had? Did it disappear? Praise God. I see another hand back there. I'm not sure. Praise God. God is so good. Even if there's not a specific word, you can reach out and take hold of whatever it is that you need, right? It's in an environment like this where, where your faith is in a place when you've heard the goodness of God that you can grab hold of something and take it and say, I take it. It's mine. Do that. Just, just take it. If whatever it is that you need, just say, Lord, thank you. Anything that's been erred in the covenant, you are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Just take what is yours. It's rightfully yours in Jesus' name. This is a good gospel, man. He's a good God. Thank you for being part of us, body. And thank you if you're a visitor. We're not completely weird. Maybe some of us are weirder than others, but you're welcome. Um, thank you for joining us today. Listen, guys, don't, don't just close this in your heart. Take this with you. Keep your heart open to what God's doing in your heart. Let him continue to speak through you tonight, and especially tonight. Just keep your heart open to what he's doing in your hearts. Amen. If you do want to stick your head through those doors, Norman said he'll go and open those things. It's kind of cool just to see the work started. We've been waiting for this a long time. So, but love you guys. Um, enjoy the, what's that? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Healing you is at five today and you'll be done before the Super Bowl starts. <laughs> just Healing you is, this doesn't matter. Healing you is in the cafe at 5 p.m. Love you, we love you guys. Have a great week.